Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. I am speaking with Vincent I. Perry today. Vincent was born blind in his left eye, and by age 11, he had lost the sight in his right eye. Now, there is a sense of isolation that comes from being blind in a sighted world. Yet Vincent found an incredible love, and he's here to share that story with us, which he captured in his book, Blind Passion. Please, wave your hands to welcome Vincent I. Perry. Hello, Vincent. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you are, too. Vincent, as the only blind person in a school of 3,000, in your words, you felt like a freak. So growing up and moving forward, it's hard to imagine the sense of isolation that you must have felt. Um, yes, I, uh, high school especially was fairly isolating. I was in a, a very big high school. I was the only blind person in the high school. This was back in the late 60s at a time when uh, a lot of places was were not, including uh, you know people with disabilities um, in in, uh, in a normal high school setting. Um, so yeah, it, it it really was my 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 high school experience in in many ways was abnormal in that regard. Were you able to have girlfriends and things like that? No, no, I never no. did. I never did during high school. Yeah, and the uh, the subtitle of the of the book that we'll be talking about is a true story of magnificent love because it's about uh, uh, how I fell in love with the person who became my my wife. Um, for almost 30 years. So, um, uh, yeah, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. When, when when you were, uh, I mean, this is something where, you know, I guess you probably threw your work into or your efforts into study because it made sense, to, you know, it was something you could do and had some control over. But when you started college, which would have been around 1970, I think you told me, was, adaptive, yes. yeah, was adaptive equipment available to you? Yes, back in those days, I, I've uh, I've gone through. I, I'm a college professor and have been for quite a few years, so I have to do a, a great deal of reading and all sorts of things. And over these 50 years, the um, different adaptations that I've had to make in terms of equipment and, and, and such is really pretty astonishing. But back in 1970, that of course was long before we had any personal computers, they didn't come along until the mid-80s, but uh, when I first started college, the uh, sort of standard piece of equipment that a a blind person needed to do um, work at at college was a a reel-to-reel tape recorder. Probably many of your listeners have never even seen 
a real real tape recorder. They're, they're they're totally obsolete. And and then not too long thereafter, the real to real tape recorder became obsolete, and we switched over to using cassette machines. And cassette machines are now pretty much obsolete. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it's it's been a constant uh, process as uh, I've gotten older to um, uh, adapt to one one. Uh, system after the next in terms of what I need to use to do my work. I would think so. I mean, you mentioned something when we first talked that going to Windows was a nightmare because it's an icon, it's a visual cue, and so how do you get around that? You know, do you stay in DOS world or is there another alternative? Well, I do most of my writing uh, on an on a on a DOS system, I've got several computer systems around the house, and my 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 favorite system is an old MS DOS system using WordPerfect as the word processing program mm-hmm. because it is it is uh, about as transparent as possible for a blind person in terms of being able to do everything from the uh, from the keyboard. Yeah, the uh, the, the, the the Windows systems uh and the the kind the kinds of systems that they've got on uh, um, cell phones and related things are all designed for people with sight uh, and and the d- designers of those things design the uh systems uh, from the sighted perspective and only after they get all of that designing done does anyone else come along to try to figure out if there's any way that they can uh, come up with a way of making it accessible for someone who doesn't have vision. And almost always, those uh, so-called accessibility adaptations are uh, uh, far from perfect. I think you mentioned you. It's really challenging for you to use Uber to call for a rental, uh, you know, a taxi. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will. I, I may eventually. I've only had a cell phone for about. Six months now, and I'm, I'm I know some things about it, but there's uh, just a tremendous amount that I don't know about it. And uh, um, so far, I have not been able to uh, uh, completely master how to, uh, to to use the the um, the, the Uber system. It, it, it it's something that is not actually integral to the. Uh, Let's say to to the iPhone. I mean, it, it it's an independent system that you import into your cell phone, uh, mm-hmm. and it also is not. It does not take into uh, consideration <clears throat> it being used by someone who doesn't have vision. So it's it's. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it has to be frustrating. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, we live in a world in which these these apps and icons are shortcuts to so many things, and right. and yet it, if they're not taking it into account, it seems like you know that expression you're leaving money on the table because people aren't going to use your product. Uh, and right. They're it's rather strange. But so you go to college. You you know it's now 1970, and you are going to college. And did they have a fairly active program to help? Uh, anybody with disabilities? The particular place that I went to was probably at that time about the best institution in the country 
for that. Mm. They 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 uh, they had started up uh, a specific, uh, not just a program, but uh, sort of like an institution, as it were, on the, on the campus um, shortly after World War Two, <clears throat> when um, many young men were coming back from the war uh, with. Um, uh, either vision loss from uh, from battle, or uh, or confined to wheelchairs, um, and um, so it, it was a a really good university to be at uh, in in that regard because they 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 really um, made an effort to uh, integrate people with disabilities as fully as possible into the college environment. For, forefront of that field. Uh, who staffed the programs? Excuse me? Who staffed the programs? Well, it, 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 it had its own building on campus, and it had its own staff. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they had people who specialized in... Uh, um, dealing with persons who were confined to wheelchairs. We had a lot of wheelchair people on, on campus in the years that I was there. Uh, the, the blind people, we, we were we were much smaller in number than, than the wheelchair people. There were lots and lots of wheelchair people on the campus, and all of the um, um, corners, all of the intersections where you have public sidewalks coming down to the street were all sloped for wheelchair use everywhere on campus so it, it was a it was really well designed for uh, for accessibility for people with um, with wheelchairs and now you also mentioned to me that that they took the time to bring everyone who's classified that way in a week ahead of all the other students so there was time to orient to the campus and that there were volunteers who helped you know, manage that process of getting to know the campus. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the way the way it worked was um, when the fall semester began. The week before classes actually began was the normal freshman orientation week for the ordinary uh, able-bodied freshmen to show up. The week before that, which was two weeks before the um, uh, first day of class, that was the, the orientation week for people with disabilities. And so so I arrived on campus two weeks before classes started, and I was one, at that, in, in that, um, uh, that particular year, uh, I was one of seven new blind people showing up, and there were a whole bunch of uh, wheelchair people showing up that, that week as well. And... Um, the way that we got oriented to campus was that the that the man who was in charge who was who actually had a degree um, for teaching uh blind people mobility you know to travel with the cane and how to travel about and, and that sort of thing um, mm -hmm. he uh rounded up volunteers for that week it was the five day monday through friday thing and we were assigned a volunteer for that week, and we spent each day basically from, I don't even know if we started at 8, 
I think we probably did start at eight uh, till I'm not sure if we ended at four or five. Um, and all we did was just do a, just a tremendous amount of walk, and the, uh, the the volunteer uh, had to know the basics of the campus and uh, um, basically taught us how to get from our dorm room all around our dormitory and the related area, and then getting from there to our various classes and just any anything else that we could fit in. So we just did lots and lots and lots of repetitive walking, walking routes again and again and again so that um, we would be able to do all of that on our own by the time classes uh, started. And that, that was, um, it was during that, that first week that I met the, uh, the, the woman who eventually uh, became my wife. A, a, sh- a small twist of fate that that should be the case, right? The uh, how long, how long did you have to get to know her? Um, it's uh, this is a you know, you're starting the semester, and does she stay on as a volunteer with the group? Well, she was. Um, um, the way it was supposed to work is that each volunteer was supposed to be assigned to one person for that week, but things got shuffled around because um, um, the, the person who was actually supposed to be my week-long volunteer had to go off and do um, some things one day, and that was the day that they shuffled the volunteers around and the person who became my wife worked with me that day. And they shuffled things around again, and she worked with another person. So she she wound up working with three of the seven new blind people that that whole week, just because of the way that uh, things had to get shuffled around. Um, and I'm I'm sorry, I forgot what your well, it's, <laughs> what your I just, initial it's, question she, was. She obviously she obviously was staying longer than just. Um, the week oh, after that, yeah, right? yeah, she continued. Yeah, 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 she did. Yes, yeah, and she was the only one in that group, uh, as far as I can remember. I don't think once that week ended, um, I don't think any of us had any contact with any of those volunteers except for my wife. Uh, she was a really unique individual and, and was a, a person who, had, who possessed the most perfect goodness of, of anyone I've ever known, and, and she was really intrigued working with us, and it was the first time she'd ever done that. She'd done, mm-hmm. She had been doing some volunteer work of various kinds before that, uh, but she was really intrigued uh, with with, uh, with this particular group of, uh, of blind people, and uh, so she, she invited us over to her house on Labor Day, which was about a week after the uh, mobility week ended, uh, and so we we all came over to her house on on that day, and that that, that sort of gradually started a um, very close relationship between this particular group of uh, of blind people uh, and herself that uh, continued for the next several years. And she called us her university kids, and uh, <laughs> we and, and we we came to. Uh, love and admire her so very much that uh, within a very short period of time, we, we, we gave her the honorific name Ma, M-A, um, because we, mm-hmm. we thought of her as our, uh, as our mother away from home. She was, 
she was the oldest of the volunteers of that week. Um, there were two volunteers that week who were probably in their, I'm guessing, uh, mid to late 20s, uh, and the other volunteers were um, themselves um, college undergraduate age, so late late teens, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She was she was the only uh, person of of, uh, of later years. She was uh, she, she would have been uh, she was 42 at the time. Wow. So she was an older volunteer, for sure. Oh, yeah. She had her oh, own yeah. life at that point. Yeah. yeah. So I say she had her own life. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she, had been, she, had, she had been married since 19, since March of uh, 47, and had three children, uh, two of them uh, almost my exact age. One was uh, uh, about 15 months older than me, and the, uh, the middle-aged one was... Uh, Ten months younger than me, and then her youngest was about five years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point in the story, which brings us to your book in many ways, um, you discover that you you really have strong feelings for her, and decide to tell her. What happened? Well, I realized that I was very much attracted to her by November of 71, so this was in, in my third semester, this was in my sophomore year, the fall semester of my sophomore year is when I first realized that I did. <clears throat> but, of course, she was married at the time, and so I didn't think you know, it was uh, anything I really could do about it. Um, um, but as the, the, as, the, as the months went by, I uh, <clears throat> felt stronger and stronger towards her, and it wasn't finally until um, uh, July 10th of 1972, it was during the summer between my sophomore and junior years, I happened to be going to summer school um, at that time, that I I finally um, uh, told her that I was uh, strongly attracted to her. And what was her reaction? I mean, she was older, she was married... She 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 wasn't somebody who worked. She was she was a stay at home mom at that point. I imagine. Yeah. Well, it was um, it was around eight thirty in the evening, um, and um, when I told her that, and she she was instantly, uh, I guess, enchanted by it, and we wound up. Uh, spending the next, I guess, about four hours sitting together and, and doing nothing but, but kissing that, that whole night. As it turned out, she had been in a um, marriage that had uh, basically been a loveless marriage for her for about 15 years up to that point. And uh, I think she was very emotionally starved at, at that point and uh, had already decided that as soon as her youngest daughter, at, at, at this point, her, her two older children were were, were out uh, on their own, um, and only her youngest was, was still <clears throat> living <clears throat> with her and was still attending high school, and she still had a few years of high school to go. Uh, but she had already made up her mind, that is, my wife had, had already made up her mind that as soon as her uh, youngest daughter was uh, was out and on her own, that uh, she would uh, leave her husband and 
start a new life in, in, in some fashion. So um, this, this, this was something that was very startling. And although she had been hoping for quite some time that something would come along to uh, transform her life in a, in, a, in a radical way, for the next several months, this, this, this did not seem to be the thing that <laughs> she, she thought would do that um, because um, um, I was not employed at the time and was not going to be for uh, a few more years and our age difference and the fact that I was blind it, it didn't seem to be it, it seemed to be more more like a <laughs> although it was exciting to her it, 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 it seemed more, more like a just a colossal almost nightmare that, that uh, this was the thing that, that might come along to uh, give her an exit from her marriage. It, it just seemed like a, just a way too complicated sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would you take that on? Yeah. <clears throat> did you, yes. but you did stay with her and they did, you did continue this, this relationship and, and it seemed, and, and instead of getting less involved, it seemed to pick up, as you put it, the speed of a relationship as time went by. Yes, yes. Um, when she did finally divorce and leave her husband, and yes. this, but you were still in her life. How did the family react to this? Uh, well, um at at the time her father had been dead now for about 10 years uh so i i, I never met her father um but from what i was able to learn about her father <clears throat> her father uh and herself seemed to have been rather similar people they they were both, both incredibly nice very generous uh, people um her mother was, well, I'm not quite sure how to describe her mother. Her mother was, uh, my, my, my wife had, had two sisters who were about her age, and then she had a much younger brother, um, and, uh, and they, they were all married, and, and the two older sisters had, had their own families with, with children, uh, sort of like my wife did. Um, and my wife's mother was a fairly was a person who who uh, um often criticized um her daughters for various sorts of things and, and she criticized my wife to, uh for just all kinds of stuff and this is before I even came along or whatever um so our relationship was kept secret for about Two years, um, and when it finally became evident to members of the family that um, my, my wife was uh, was heading for a divorce uh, from her husband, and that uh, she was intent on um, making a new life with me. Um, it caused quite a bit of um, um, problems.
problems uh, in terms of her relationship with her with her family members. Her, her mother thought that her daughter had uh, totally lost her mind, um, and um, uh, her, her older sister basically thought the same thing. Uh, only her younger sister was a little bit sympathetic because her younger sister had gone through a similar situation of being in a loveless marriage with her husband and had recently divorced him uh, and was about to marry um, another uh, person. So she she could sympathize um, uh, with, with her uh, sister on, on, on that situation, at least in general terms. But, uh, yeah, there, there was quite a bit of um, uh, tension and uh, uh, <laughs> conflict set up over all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it it seems like it would, I mean, it would make total sense that there would be. It's the kind of thing you just have to figure out along the way. Did she, um, she hadn't been working, and to have a relationship with you, it would be a while before you were ready to be, you know, the the main breadwinner, um, what did she wind up doing? Well, I was going to be in school for uh, for several more years because, as it turned out, I, 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 I went on into grad school. Um, so eventually, now she, she had been um, uh, a stay, stay-at-home mother, uh, throughout her her, her marriage uh, and, and raise, raising her kids, um, and um, her husband uh, in in the uh, last several years of, of their marriage had a job that took him away from the house almost all the time. He, he was on the road uh, almost all the time, and so my my wife. Um, to a large extent, was the one who raised the three kids. And she did all of the housework and looked after the kids, tried to supervise their homework, and uh, did all the chores and all the running around and all that sort of stuff. And um, because her husband simply wasn't around very much to uh, to assist with, with any of that. Um, and so in many ways, I think she, she very much felt uh, overworked uh, and underappreciated. Um, but uh, anyway, she had been a stay-at-home mother and had done a, a really fine job in, in trying to raise her three kids. She she put everything uh, she could she could and she could think of in, into raising her three uh, children. Um, and she she did on a few occasions do some part-time work here and there, but but not all that consistently. But anyway, but by the time it became evident that uh, she was heading for a divorce, um, she started, she, she went uh, back to work full-time. She, she had worked full-time at the very, very beginning of her marriage before they had any children. Um, and she was very apprehensive about that. Uh, and she kept thinking, gee, who, who's going to want to hire me? Uh, you know, given my age, I haven't had any work experience in a long, long time. And I kept telling her, "Gosh, you know, you're 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 really intelligent. You've got all sorts of 
great skills that anybody who interviews you, and, and if they can see that, you're not going to have too much trouble getting getting hired. So she she finally went back to work full time in January of '74, and um, she started off uh, being hired as a teller for a bank there in uh, uh, town. And um, uh, uh, I think it was the first job she applied for. And I kept telling her, you know, you're not going to have any trouble getting a job. Um, and she was really thrilled that, and so relieved that, you know, she went in for this job interview well, like on Monday and then Friday they called and offered her the job. And she was just really thrilled about that. And within a few months, uh, you know, she had displayed her abilities to do um, everything efficiently and to do so um, in a very, very pleasant, pleasing way in terms of interacting with the customers and everything that um, uh, she got uh, promoted um, to um, um, taking over the, the new accounts section in the bank. And then not too long after that, she got promoted to being the uh, secretary to one of the uh, vice presidents of the bank, and was given responsibility for taking care of all of the uh, so, of all of the uh, safe deposit boxes. And then uh, it was about that time that banks started uh, having uh, ATM machines and issuing ATM cards, and she was put in charge of all of that. So mm-hmm. within a pretty short time, she had um, advanced. Um, and in in that situation, um, and had become really pleased with the fact that she was a valued employee, and that she was appreciated, uh, and and she was and she was um, working in an environment <clears throat> where no one thought of her any longer as being the wife of Mister So and So. Uh, she, mm-hmm. she was now mm-hmm. separated from her husband. She was now uh, on her own, and she was working to support her daughter. Um, and uh, she she was now in an environment uh, in which she was uh, working with people who appreciated her for what she was. Uh, and it, uh, it did a great deal for her. And before that, even before she <clears throat> before she met me. Um, there were two other things that had done quite a bit to shape her own um, view of herself in terms of her self-worth uh, and uh, sense of fulfillment. Uh, she became involved in um, the local Sweet Adeline's singing organization. She had already, she had always been uh, a great lover of music, and she had an absolutely phenomenal memory of music. Um, and had a really lovely singing voice. So anyway, she was finally persuaded by uh, one of her friends to join the Sweet Adelines, and she became one of the best singers in the uh, in the local group. Uh, and and that that really made her feel very positive about herself as herself, not as a mother, not as a wife, but but uh, as a you know individual human being. And then shortly after that, she also became um, 
involved in uh, swimming. She had never done any swimming before, but one of her friends had it, invited her to the start uh, going to the uh, YWCA to take swimming lessons, which she had never done before. And she started swimming, and she became a very, very able um, and uh, <laughs> even, say, fanatical swimmer. And that also had a, a tremendous impact upon how she viewed herself uh, as a um, uh, individual and, and such. And so... Um, all, all of these things, within the period of a, a few short years, had, had really sort of transformed her her, her whole uh, uh, view of, of herself and her worth uh, as a um, as a person. And um, ha- having me fall in love with her um, was was something that that uh, uh, added to that uh, tremendously. Um, so. This is, you know, at this point you're you're moving into your married life, and her whole world is changing. Her whole personality has been evolving through these things you've been sharing with us. What was it that moved you to write the story of your relationship? Well, I didn't set out to actually write and publish a book on this. Um, my wife died in March of 2003 um, and uh, uh, she she was my my first girlfriend and my only girlfriend um, and uh, we had such a loving relationship um, that when she died of course it was it was quite devastating and I spent <laughs> quite a bit of time trying to write down everything I could possibly remember <coughs> about the um, um, about our life together um, and because the, uh, I, I, I simply cannot bear the thought of ever forgetting anything I was afraid that that if I didn't write things down um, and could go back and read things that eventually I, I might forget some of these these things. So I spent a lot of time uh, writing all of this stuff down. Um, And then a few years later, I thought that I could probably take part of this stuff that I've written, the the beginning of our relationship leading up to our marriage, (laughs) and fashion that into a, a sort of book narrative. And so I did that. And I think I had that done by about 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, at that point, I wasn't sure what to do uh, with what I had. Um, I didn't feel comfortable in taking it to a publisher at the time because I knew that the publisher would that, that uh, I would need to be working with someone in terms of the process of getting um, the the manuscript that I had um, worked in, into a um, uh, into the published form, and I was going because I was blind. 
I was going to need someone with sight to assist me with that. And I, 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 given the, the highly personal nature of all of the uh, things in the book, I really did not feel that I could trust anyone in terms of conf confidentiality uh, to um, uh, help me with the book. Uh, you know, some, someone that that I'd be working with, um, uh, not from a publisher's um, institution, but but from uh, someone that I would be having to, to work with uh, in my, uh, my my home setting. Um, so basically, the, uh, the the book manuscript that I had languished uh, up until um, the I guess about May of 2020, just shortly after the uh, shutdown mm -hmm. uh, started, mm -hmm. and uh, I decided. Well, and then um, one of the um, um, one of my granddaughters. Now, my wife and I never had any uh, children ourselves, but uh, her, her two daughters wound up having children, and I, I consider them my my grandchildren. Um, but anyway, one of the um, uh, my, my oldest granddaughter uh, was furloughed from her job at the time because of the shutdown, mm -hmm. and she had uh, extra time on, on her hands. And so I asked her if she would be willing <coughs> to be my assistant um, in various things that I would need cited assistance for uh, with respect to the publisher in, in trying to get this book uh, published. And um, she agreed to do so. And so I, I then started um, going over the... Um, um, text that I had from 14 years ago and uh, making improvements and changes and things in it uh, and then eventually um, um, it was published in, in it. Um, this uh, September 30th, a couple days from now will be the uh, uh, one year anniversary of it uh, of being uh, released Where is it available? Oh, it, it's published by Ex Libris, X L I B R I S, mm -hmm. um, and it's a Blind Passion, a True Story of Magnificent Love by uh, Vincent I. Perry, um, and um, uh, also if people want to see an excerpt from the book, they can go to a, um, a website that's got a, s a small portion of the the book there, and it's www.vincentiperry.com. Uh, Com, if they want to um, take a look at at least one uh, excerpt of that, um, but the, the the book describes uh, the um, our, our uh, relationship. Uh, mostly, it, it mostly concentrates on the years uh, 1970 to 1974, and then there's an epilogue that uh, sort of summarizes the next two years that le leads up to our marriage in 1976. Um, and the book actually starts out back in 1965, talking about my wife uh, and her family life at that time. And uh, I, I try to make the book uh, in such a way, although it's it's about the two of us and our love affair, 
uh, I, I try to make the uh, the central character of the book my wife because as far as I'm concerned, she's uh, just uh, truly extraordinary, and I, and I wanted to uh, to write this and, and leave it behind um, as a testimony to the um, absolute wonder, wonderful nature and goodness of my of my wife. What a wonderful tribute to write for her. That is a, you know, it, I, every woman would probably love to have that for their, you know, comment in the world that when they look at it, they see them that way. So kudos to you for making that happen. Um, it, you know, it's, what do you want to accomplish with the book? Do you see it uh, in all the libraries? Do you see it as a bestseller? What do you, what do you think will happen with it? I really don't know. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would like to promote it in a, in a number of ways um, because um, I, 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 I love the story of our uh, of our love life and our, our life together. Uh, but um, I, I really don't know. I mean, the uh, um, the um, whole publishing environment now is such that <laughs> that there's just a tremendous amount of stuff. Being published, mm-hmm. that it, it's hard to get, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to sort of break out um, from uh, the, the, the huge volume of things being published out there. Right. It is. It is a ch- that is a challenge for almost every single independent author that yes. they are to get the traction and to get the eyeballs to notice. Uh, and that is the real adventure of being an independent author today. It can be done. I mean, people do it, but it it takes a little shift in perspective, I think. Um, well, you know, it's been. I I just want you to know, I've really enjoyed uh, hearing about your wife's story, Vincent. It's it is a you know a, an autobiographical love memoir is what you've written, and I'm yes. sure it is touching and it. Is it shares the emotions that the two of you um, shared together, and, and that it, that always grips people when they ha- actually have a chance to read it and see how people feel. So thank you very much for coming on the program. Um, it's it's something that uh, you know we don't get to hear too often. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Uh, we've been talking with Vincent I. Perry about his book. Blind Passion, and the the subtitle is A True Story of Magnificent Love. And this is your personal tribute to your wife. It's the ultimate romance. So yes. we, we never we ne- we never know the impact that one person may have on another, and we would all like to have someone in our life like this. Yeah. So thank you again, Vincent. We appreciate the time you've taken with us today. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And as we close out today's call, I invite you, the listeners, to question whether you would be willing to step out the way this couple did. Um, they were ta- willing to take a chance on their lives. And that's something you could do too, regardless of the circumstances that you may find in your life. You can, you have a, a life force, a life energy within you that enables you to be much more powerful than you realize. So you can take control and redirect the circumstances that you find yourself in. So 
If you're interested in looking for a way to improve the results you're getting in your life, feel free to contact me. You can DM me at Facebook, Susan Shereko. I have a few slots available in a small group that can help you make positive changes in your life, and it would be my great pleasure to assist anyone who's interested. So that's it for the program today, everyone. Bye for now. Be blessed, be well, be safe. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.